Hello, and thank you for sharing some time with the National Small Business Association to talk about how the coronavirus is impacting America's small businesses. I'm Molly Day here with NSBA, a staunchly nonpartisan organization fighting for your small business. Today, we'll talk with NSBA President Todd McCracken and Bob Shea, an attorney with the national employment law firm Ogletree Deacons. Bob serves as NSBA's Chair of Health and Human Resources. Together, they will be following up on our previous call on COVID to get you up to speed on stimulus legislation, as well as what you can and should be doing as an employer in this new normal. Todd, Bob, thank you for joining me today for this conversation. I'd like to first start with an update on what's happened in the last week. Todd, can you bring us up to speed? Oh my goodness, what a flurry of legislative activity the last week and a half, especially. Um, the, the Senate started work first and put together a, a pretty comprehensive bill, and uh, it went through several fits and starts. And finally, we have a package that I think is going to provide, if it works like we think it will, it's going to provide, I think, some pretty important relief for the small business community. Really, the centerpiece of this package for the small business community is this loan system that then converts the loans to grants. And it really gets at the exact thing that small businesses need, which is cash, liquidity, right now. So what this does, in a nutshell, is it gets uh, a loan to small companies uh, based on their current payroll and lease obligations, et cetera. Um, uh, and it, it allows companies of, of all types to get the loan, and they don't have to show credit worthiness. They just have to show that they're in business as of February 15th of 2020, basically, to get the loan. It's 100% guaranteed by the government, so there's no reason for the banks not to make the loan. They won't be worried about losing money on the loan. They have every incentive to get out there and get these loans out the door. Uh, and uh, and at the at, when this period is done and, and loan repayment begins, which, by the way, won't be for at least six months. We had hoped it would be a year, but it's six months in the final version. Um, there'll be no loan repayment until that time. But when the loan repayment starts, anything that a business paid for payroll, for, for uh, lease payments, uh, uh, um, and rent, if, they, if they're in that uh, situation, and mortgage interest, uh, anything they paid in these various buckets will be completely forgiven, essentially converted to a grant. So the only thing they'll have to pay back to the bank uh, at 4% is what's left over after that. Might they spend on other things from the loan amount? Um, so it's, it's, it's a really great deal. Um, and uh, I should back up and say it's for eight weeks of payroll they can get the forgiveness for. I should, I should add that. That's not, it's not for the entire four-month period. Um, uh, so it's going to be a real cash infusion for small companies. We think they'll be accepting these loans here within a couple of weeks of when the president has signed the bill. Um, so it's coming out very quickly. We think they'll be available. And since most of them are being run through, uh, I think they'll be run through the, the SBA semi-loan programs, um, express loan program. It's their special program where banks can make loans without SBA uh, direct oversight or intervention. Loans up to a million dollars. And they usually get those out to people within 72 hours of, of, of the application and approval. So it's, it's, it's the speediest way, we think, of getting money in the hands of these companies. So anyway, that, that's, that's a centerpiece of, of the package, I think. Um, we can talk a little bit more if you want about other things that are in here for some small companies. There are various tax provisions. There are, are uh, uh, some deferrals of, of payroll taxes and so forth. But we really think this, this, this loan centerpiece is, is the thing that will make the difference. 
That's great, Todd. Thanks for getting us up to date. So, in addition to this economic stimulus piece, uh, there have been previous bills passed, and those included some more prescriptive language in terms of what employers need to be doing in light of COVID. Um, Bob is our employment law expert. Can you kind of walk us through the Families First Act and what the various requirements are on small businesses now? So employers should be aware of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which was uh, enacted on March 18, and it goes into effect on April 1st. It applies to employers with under 500 employees, and it provides two distinct forms of paid leave, paid sick leave and paid family and medical leave for specific defined reasons related to COVID-19. Let's talk about the sick leave first. The act requires employers to provide employees with up to 10 days or 80 hours of paid sick leave when an employee cannot work or telework for certain circumstances related to COVID-19. Those circumstances include being subject to a government quarantine or isolation order, having been advised by a health provider to self-quarantine due to COVID-19, experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and seeking medical diagnosis, caring for an individual subject to a quarantine order or self-quarantine, or caring for children if schools are closed or their caregiver is unavailable because of a public health emergency such as COVID-19. Employers must compensate the employees for any paid sick time they take at the higher of their regular rate, the federal minimum wage, or the local minimum wage. Those payments are capped at $500 per day and $5,110 in the aggregate. The rules change for employees who are absent to care for a sick family member or a child unable to attend school, in which case employees are to be compensated at two-thirds of the rate they would otherwise receive capped at $200 per day and $2,000 in the aggregate. The law states that an employer may not require an employee to use other paid leave provided by the employer to the employee before the employee uses the paid sick time under the Act. Turning now to the family and medical leave part of the Act, that requires that employers provide up to 12 weeks of job-protected leave for employees who are unable to work or telework so that they may care for children if schools are closed or their daycare is unavailable because of COVID-19. The first 10 days are unpaid under this part of the act, but might be paid under the sick leave part of the act or paid under an employer's sick time or other PTO policy. Then after 10 days, employers are to be paid at two thirds of their regular rate of pay, capped at $200 per day and $10,000 in the aggregate over the course of up to 10 weeks. Importantly, the paid leave is to be paid by the federal government. Employers qualify for a dollar-for-dollar reimbursement through tax credits for all qualifying wages paid under the Act. In addition, tax credits also extend to amounts paid or incurred by the employer to maintain health insurance coverage. Like other labor and employment-related laws, the Act requires that employers post a notice regarding employee rights under the Act in their place of business. The Department of Labor has notified employers that they may meet this posting requirement by sending a PDF copy of the notice to uh, their employees by email or other means. And the Department of Labor, Labor has on its website the form of notice. Also, in recognition of the strain that this law may put on employers, the Department of Labor has announced that it will not bring enforcement actions against any employer for violations of the act 
occurring within the first 30 days of enactment or through April 17, 2020. The Department of Labor has also said that employers who are eligible for tax credits but who have insufficient cash flow should make the payment of sick leave or family leave wages as soon as possible, but not later than seven calendar days after the employer has withdrawn an amount equal to the required paid leave and expanded family and medical leave wages from the employer's federal payroll tax deposits, or to the extent that such deposits are not sufficient, has received a refund of the credit amount from the IRS to cover the, re- to cover the required wages. And so, Molly, as uh, will be clear to listeners, the rules applying to these two forms of leave under the Act are very technical, and the requirements should be read carefully and fully understood. Thanks for covering that, Bob. There's a lot to digest there, and we um, appreciate you getting everybody up to speed in, in uh, a way that's easy for us to uh, try and digest. Uh, I want to pop back over to you, Todd. You mentioned some of the tax provisions of the CARES Act. Um, I'd like you to kind of delve into those and, and tell folks what those mean for their small businesses, please. Sure. Well, you, people have probably already heard there's the Secretary of Treasury has has deferred uh the filing deadline of April 15th already. So that's that's a big release. So they didn't push back into July. Uh, so people don't, don't have to either pay those amounts or, or file those amounts uh, by April 15th. So that's going to help some folks in the near term. Um, but in addition to the loans that can be used against uh, 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 your uh, to help fund your payroll, um, there is also a retention tax credit for some companies uh, in here where they can get up to 50% of wages with a cap, uh, so it's going to be a variable interest, variable uh, help to different companies. Um, if they've seen a really significant decline in in their uh, revenue sources, it had to be at least 50% within a quarter over the previous year, or they were forced to close uh, by a governmental entity, close entirely, uh, then they could get this credit. But it's relatively limited to a, a, you know the first $10,000 of compensation for an employee. That doesn't at least include health benefits. Um, so it's 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 something. It's not as big, I think, as the loan package, but it'll help some companies. Um, but also, they should be aware that they get to defer their share of their payroll taxes. So um, the you know 6.2% Social Security taxes that employers pay for uh, employees, uh, they can uh, uh, defer that for the next few months and pay it um, later in 20, 2021 and 2022. If they want to, we, we we were hoping there might be actual uh, holiday where they didn't have to pay at all, but that's not that's not what uh, they landed on. Finally, it's just a uh, a deferment of those taxes, but that still will help with near-term cash flow for a lot of companies. Um, and then uh, uh, the other thing I'd call people's attention to is uh, as the net operating loss. There were some changes in the, in the tax bill a couple of years ago that limited the use of uh, net operating loss carry forwards, and that's kind of been changed back again so that so that they can uh, carry those forward and it will really help them with their taxes they'll owe later this year. And that'll help with uh, with cash flow as well. So those really are the what I would call the, I mean, there are lots of very small tax changes in here as well. It will help particular businesses that are in unique uh, circumstances that are probably good changes. But those are the big things I think will help, you know, a broad cross-section of the small business community uh, on the tax front. Thanks for those updates, Todd. Bob, I'd like to jump back over to the employment piece of this. What key piece of advice are you giving your clients now? Are there a few key resources or to-dos we should be paying attention to? Well, as we know, many businesses have implemented layoffs or are considering layoffs. 
and some are considering alternatives to layoffs, like placing employees on unpaid leaves or uh, furloughs. And I wanted to talk a minute about some things that employers should consider if they are planning to put employees on furlough or unpaid leave. Many employers use the terms furlough and layoff interchangeably. Others define furlough as an unpaid leave of absence with benefits and a layoff as a termination of employment with the potential for rehire. And I think I'll use that definition for a furlough, that being an unpaid leave for some specified or expected period of time, but with benefits in place. So the employer views the employment relationship as continuing, but essentially on pause for a period of time. If employers are planning to continue to pay the group health benefits, group health premiums for their employees while on furlough, they should make sure their group health plans permit that. Some plans require that employees be actively working, that a reduction of hours from, let's say, 40 per week to zero would cause the employee to lose coverage, and the only way the employee would be able to continue coverage is by electing COBRA coverage or the state law equivalent of COBRA for very small employers. So the bottom line here is that employers should understand what the consequence may be for placing employees on furloughs in terms of their group health insurance benefits. Employers also should determine whether placing employees on furlough may trigger a requirement that the employees be paid out any accrued unused vacation. Employee right to accrued unused vacation is usually determined by state law, and some states have rules that may require employees be paid out vacation if they are laid off, or perhaps even if they were are furloughed, depending upon the circumstances. Many small employers who are in a difficult spot from a cash flow standpoint do not want to do anything that may trigger a requirement that employees be paid out accrued unused vacation. Employers also want to ensure that placing employees on furlough or other form of unpaid leave doesn't trigger any severance benefits for employees under a uh, a severance plan or individual employment agreement. Also, employers should consider whether or not placing the employees on furlough will enable the employees to collect unemployment benefits. Certainly, a termination of employment or layoff, most layoffs, would entitle employees to collect unemployment benefits. Over the course of the last couple weeks, many states have lowered the bar for employees to receive unemployment benefits, even if they were on an unpaid leave or a furlough. Lastly, uh, at least for purposes of this quick summary, employers should consider whether the furlough or unpaid leave might trigger obligations under the WARN Act or any state mini-WARN laws. Now, the WARN Act will not apply to um, most small businesses. However, uh, many states have mini-WARN laws that deal with plant closings, uh, partial plant closings, uh, mass layoffs that have a much lower threshold before notice requirements are imposed and uh, potential employee rights. So that is something else that employers should consider, whether they're considering a layoff or a furlough. There's a lot more I could talk about, but I hope that uh, that's helpful. Thanks for that, Bob. There's a lot employers need to be considering these days. I do want to pop back over to the legislative piece of this. And Todd, I'm curious, you know, you've been kind of on the front lines there with this fight. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what NSBA has been doing, uh, if there are folks on the Hill who are particularly helpful to small business uh, throughout these conversations? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's really been a really interesting time. And I'm I'm, it's it's one of those times when I've been uh, 
you know, you know, particularly proud of you representing the small business community, but also proud of our legislators up there. I mean, we hear we, you know, we we in the country we malign them a lot, but it was nice to see how they could come together uh, in the end and in the beginning as well to pull some together. I mean, I, I, it was not long ago I got, you know, I got a call at home from Marco Rubio talking about what small business needs, and we talked for a bit about what the package. Uh, could look like, should look like, uh, and he had me up the next day We for a meeting with uh, the group of senators that essentially put together this whole small business package, um, and I was able to brief them on what I was hearing from the small business community, what our surveys were showing the small business community really needed, uh, and it was great to see they were totally dialed in to what small business needed and, uh, and really came together on the outlines of a package pretty quickly. I mean, the, the small business piece of this, while there have been some tweaks and changes along the way, has essentially been unchanged from when, from, from really that day when that package came together, um, and uh, and it's been the non-controversial, bipartisan, everybody supports it piece of this package. And meanwhile, they've been fighting about you know how much to help the airline industry and how big the rebate checks individuals should be and what forms that should be. But everyone's been been really together on the small business piece once we got it put together, and that's really encouraging to see. Um, and uh, you know, I've been in touch with, of course, the White House, and and working on details, and we had to back and forth with bankers uh, to see, make sure that this this uh, uh, program would actually work for them. We wanted to make sure that the incentives were right, that the banks would actually participate in the program, because gosh, you roll out, roll out a loan program to millions of companies, all with banks being the conduit, and the banks say, you know what, we don't want to do this because there's too many regulations. That would be a colossal catastrophe. So. Um, we're we're pretty confident now it's in a place where that won't happen. Um, so yeah, it's and it's all this happened really. Uh, while there've been some delays, it's happened with really lightning speed. So it was really encouraging. I want to really you know say some kind words about uh, Senator Rubio and the collective leadership of that small business team because uh, they got a lot done in a short amount of time and made a, I think it's going to make a really big difference here. It seems to me, too, that when we talk about nonpartisanship, which is really important to NSBA, uh, we often see that uniquely with the small business committees. So I, I do think that's a feather in their cap that they ought to be particularly proud of. Yeah, I think that's right. It, it, they've Fortunately, they do have a history of working in a relatively bipartisan way. Not that they don't have their disagreements and squabbles uh, over time. Of course they do. But on the on the main things they've got to get done, they over the years have really managed to be a, a model of, of bipartisanship that I think the rest of the Congress and, gosh, even the country <laughs> could learn from a little bit as well. So, Todd, with that, I, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're incredibly busy, and I know Bob is very busy, and, and everybody listening is, is also incredibly busy. Um, any parting thoughts, Todd? Well, I just want to make sure that people stay informed. I mean, we've set up a whole microsite, and they can get to it through our main uh, uh, website at nsba.biz. Um, and it's a COVID resource page, and we're going to keep updating it with all the latest information. Uh, so it's, I think, going to be a really good ongoing source of information for people. So I hope they will go to it again and again because it's going to be changing. You see it today, it won't be the same tomorrow, probably. So we're going to keep posting things there, and so keep looking. Um, and we're going to keep fighting. I'm, I don't, I know this is not over. We're going to find. Uh, new things that need to be done. Um, this bill that has passed is going to be a, is a first step, I think. I think they'll need to come back and do some more things, maybe make some corrections to this one, maybe some new approaches as well. So keep telling us what's happening with you, and, and we'll keep communicating with you about what's happening here, and uh, we'll get through this. Thanks, Todd.
And to those of you listening, uh, we know this is an incredibly difficult time you're facing now, and we want you to know that we're in this fight with you. Uh, We hope you all stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks.